tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Bang. That's right. Back in the saddle, coming to the end of the year, doing nothing but bangers, okay? We're banging out bangers. We're banging the bangers so you can bang, okay? And that's what we're all about. Join me as always, my man, Xavier Guerrero. What's up? Do you know Xavier's doing the Latino morning drive show now where we don't smoke yeah. the same? Wake and bake them, Branito. Eh, senor, there is a pandemic <laughs> over there. Cinco, uno, cinco. Yeah, I don't know. What does that mean, actually? What is he talking about? He's I doing just saying wake up early. Yeah, we do a wake and bake now. It's from 9 to 11, yeah. so you can wake up and watch you're at work. Yeah, live, a live thing? Yeah. Alive, yeah. Live. live. We're live. Check out We Don't Smoke the Same wherever you watch uh, Mexican television, okay? <laughs> and on the ones and twos, he's leaving town. He's going back to his homeland. So uh, we have one more. I know this is the last show in studio, huh? That's Please it. welcome everybody's favorite Santa Claus, Jay Nice. Johnny Woodard. How What's are happening, you? brother? Where's my gift, Johnny? It just arrived today. A few minutes ago. I'll have to get it shipped to you, I guess. Okay. Or you can just drive it over before you leave. Uh, yeah, could do. Could you do. Could Pro- do that. Pro- probably won't. But probably won't. Could, okay. Could or do. you could leave it here and tell me come get it. Yeah, I might do that. Okay. Yeah. John, you, really, that you really want your gift. I want my gift, Dude, bro. It's, I promise you, it's so good. That, that I'm kind of proud. Uh, of. Now you're gonna make me feel bad because I got you guys a gift, and I'm like, is my gift as good? Well, as no, your it's gift? not it's like expensive good. or anything. It's just cool. It's funny. You're gonna laugh. All right, so. respect. You might be a little embarrassed. Respect. But it's, it's respect. Good. Respect. Guys, uh, great episode for you. We had uh, Ross Ben, Michael Wan on, and uh, hey, dude, they bang, bro. Big time. They bang. You know what I'm saying? They got two different energies, and it's great, dude. They work well together. Haven't seen that great of a couple since Lethal Weapon. Right? I mean, Simon and Garfunkel here. (laughs) No, maybe. Maybe, but I think they really crushed it. I enjoyed having them on, and uh, they're always welcome back. It's a great show. Another banger to to end it, okay? So, uh, guys, if you want to see me live, I have some wonderful live shows coming, okay? In the new year, guess what? Daddy's going hard in the paint with some mega shows, okay? First one up, San Luis Obispo. I'm there, okay? Grab your tickets now. They're available at samtriply.com. I'm coming, and I'm dropping the hammer of the gods on you unsuspecting fools, okay? Come get weird new jokes all the time. Daddy's always talking to himself. Support me, support you, support me. Grab those tickets now because I would love to be coming to San Luis Obispo all the time, so grab your tickets. The following week, I am in Buffalo, New York with my good friend Howie Dewey. We're going to be doing uh, Helium's there. I'm going to go see all my family going back oh, cool. to where it all begun. Howie Dewey, recent guest on Broken Simulation. Check that out. Just and out. everybody loves his stories, dude. A uh, three-hour banger He's great. that Johnny was supposed to cut down. It, I did cut it down. I cut like 20 minutes out of it. Well, yeah. okay. So, you know, he's trimming the fat, even though I'm super fat. And then finally, 
the tinfoil hat kicks it off again. You keep asking for some L.A. dates. Well, we got close. Boom, we're in Long Beach. Harvells, okay? Two shows. First show, stand-up comedy. Second show is Swarm Tank, which we will be recording for your pleasure. and per- But come get weird with us, man. Uh, Jay Nice, go do some stand-up. Everybody's talking about Ryan Davis says he's going to join us. Off the grid will be there. Xavier Guerrero, okay? He's going to smoke the same with you and then go <laughs> do some stand-up. Grab all those tickets at samtriplee.com. Guys, uh, I am banging out episodes like uh, like a fiend, bro. Like a fiend. I don't know how you do it, honestly. Well, you know what? Here's the thing about it. I learn something every show. So I, it's like it's just like sitting down and reading a book. Instead, I'm just talking to somebody, and I learn so much. Are okay. you actually going to be able to take a break? You keep. You, I remember at it's first real it was hard like I'm taking me. a real hard out here on the twentieth. I'm done. I'm shutting it down. I'm taking a real chill. And it seems like now maybe maybe that line maybe has slid we'll, a little we'll bit. Do a little, now I, I'm gonna try not to talk to people the whole weekend. She's not gonna talk to anybody. No, I'm gonna talk. But I'm trying. <laughs> gonna try not to do any episodes. You know, so people miss me a little bit because I'm going hard in the paint. And if you want to hear my premium content, and it has been pure fire. Mark Steves from uh, My Family Thinks We're uh, I'm Crazy podcast has been booking bangers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's all on Rockfin. R O K F I N dot com slash Tim Hat, Broken Sim. We don't smoke the same. Zero. Conspiracy Social Club. Any of those. We're talking six, seven episodes. If you pull all of our stuff together every week for only $10. Okay, that's almost 30 episodes a week, a month. For $10. For $10. That, dude, it's never going to get better than that, okay? That's as good as it gets. Support us, support you. And you get everybody else on the channel. Whitney Webb, Jason Burmese, Jimmy Dore, uh, and the list go. Everybody from the Union of the Unwanted is on there. They're all there to freaking bang, okay? Grab it now. $10. It's the greatest gig you'll ever do. Support alternative entertainment, uh, uh, independent researchers, journalists, content creators, all on rockfin.com. Get there. Enjoy the power of rock, okay? New t-shirts are coming. Woo! New t-shirts are coming. So uh, just go to tinfallhattshirts.com, or you can go to samtribute.com, find the banner, tinfallhattshirts.com, click that, take it right to it. I'm going to be adding Conspiracy Social Club banner. So bam, if you want to get any of those t-shirts as well, just go there, grab the t-shirts, okay? So uh, I know you guys sent me a lot of uh, artwork, uh, I haven't been able to re- return everybody's emails. I get bombarded with emails. Uh, I will try to get back to everybody the best I can. There's a gentleman who sent me a Beavis and Butthead drawing. Uh, I can't find it. If you hear me, email me again. You know who you are. You I, kn- oh, I can't find it in my emails. I keep going back. Please put Beavis and Butthead in there, okay? Uh, I'll know you. You'll know me. Include it in our email chain so I know it's you. And I want to make that, so get back to me on that. Anything else, guys? No, we're rocking. If you're looking for more free shows, man, I have so many audio free shows for you to listen to. Just go to samtribute.com. I think I have seven of them, seven, eight of them. You can listen to them free. Click any of them, take you right to it. Just did uh, uh, a Punch Drunk Sports, Broken Sim, three hours. Union of the Unwanted. Union of the Unwanted. We had the same guy that was just doing Rogan that everybody's talking about. So, oh, the doctor? Yeah. Yep, he just was on the it. Union of the Unwanted. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good episode. Yeah. I mean, dude. Of Rogan. Ro- Rogan's doing the Lord's work, bro. 
And uh, yeah, so that's about it. Just all of them. Just go to for all your needs. Opiate for the asses, my stand-up specials, everything are there. Anything else, guys? Yeah, just check out that Broken Sim 41. A lot of good feedback. People love Howie on there. I'm, I love, really like that guy. It's the first time I've ever talked to him for any He's you know, a good dude. Period. That's he's, why I go on the road with him. He's, he's a, a great guy. He's a solid dude, yeah. And uh, yeah, man. Guys, enjoy. We're ending the year strong, hard in the paint, like young Christian warriors with American boners, okay? <laughs> we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. All right, guys, let's get into it. Very excited about this uh, this uh, this episode. I mean, like like we were just talking off air. Uh, nothing but heaters lately. Really great episodes, and uh, this one is going to be one of the classics. I can already tell. Uh, I'm really excited. These two guys are working together. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you were watching WWF, and your two favorite wrestlers suddenly were on the same tag team championship, and you're like, "Oh yeah, dog! Hogan and Ultimate Warrior on the same team. Oh, they're gonna beat Legion of Doom, dog. They can't be stopped." And that's how I feel about these next guys. They have a new. Uh, podcast called From the 40th Parallel. Please welcome back returning champions, Michael Wan, Ross Ben. Gentlemen, how are you? Thankful. Thankful. Dude, beautiful. I feel like Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. That was such a beautiful introduction. Like that, that WWF, because it's weird. I would not think of myself as a WWF, like <laughs> on that level. But then when you say it, when you position it that way, like I looked at it from a different perspective and I was like, okay, I can get with that. Yeah. I can definitely look at this as a WWF sort of positioning. So, so thank you for that. Well, you and know, I'm super excited to be here. And Roz, it's always a pleasure to see your face. Yeah, man. It's also got to be from the perspective of what wrestling was at, at my age as a child. Like, the, you know, not learn, not coming to grips with that was, was quote-unquote scripted, which I have no problems with. But, like, what that represents. Like, even when you go back, you watch pro wrestling, and you watch that WrestleMania where Hogan takes on Ultimate Warrior, yeah. you can feel the energy even off that decade-old video oh, of what that meant pop culturally so that's what i'm talking about when like two grades come to gaddle together to battle the forces of evil that's what i'm talking about bro i mean all about all about that action um so before we get into it let's uh let's for those who aren't familiar with you the have you guys have both been on multiple times uh where can they find you guys and then we'll get into our our conversation Whichever one you Ross, want. You first. Well, I got one-stop shop online. That's Rossbin.com. I do have a YouTube channel, which is Rossbin188. And, uh, yeah, that's 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 my spot. Perfect. And the Susquehanna Alchemy, if you just, you know, that is uh, .com will get you some stuff. Uh at YouTube and Instagram, but we're probably going to get into this, uh, in our conversation, but I'm doing the, I'm doing the opposite. I am, I am purposefully and slowly withdrawing, uh, my participation, uh, on a lot of, on any of the forums or any, or the internet in general. So it's what I'm really hoping to do is more and more stuff face to face and in person. So, so right now the window's still open. But I don't know how much longer it's going to be. No, and yeah. I respect that. And I'm actually kind of there too. You know, I think, uh, I am entangling myself from the internet. Mm hmm. Yep. I'm, I understand that too. I like, 
I love podcasting, but I want to kind of think about how, I mean, I'll always do tinfoil hat until the wheels fall off because I think it's important. But I'm also like, you know, like I had, I had two Instagrams clipped and I have a guy, you know, Tommy G who I love to death is like really trying to push me to go through this guy to get back my Instagrams. But part of me is like, I'm kind of happy. You know, it's like the two Instagrams I still kind of have. I'm, I have, I mean, the broken sim, the Tim Fall hat. I don't really have any, uh, connect, I don't have any way to get on there. And my other ones. And like, I used to think about how consumed I was with being on Instagram, dropping dank memes, fighting the fight. And I'm like such a, all my energy was put into that. It's like, I just want to use it for promotion, but that's why I pay people to do that. And I just want to pull out less and less and less and less and just do these simple things and have other people upload them, have other people do that and just live in the the now and not like be living in this early version of the metaverse, which they're shoving down our throats. I do have a problem with censorship. Uh, you think this would be considered the early version of metaverse? I, I think 100% social media is getting you ready for the uh, for the metaverse in the sense that now you have a reality that isn't right here tangible. I mean, how many people's life is all based on what is happening on, on their social media? Even like, I mean, it's like for you, I understand. Like there's people that understand why they're on the phone 24-7. But there's people that work at McDonald's that live on their phone as if like they have business on there. Right. Like as if, as if they're making the, money on there. I'm like, bro, stop. Like go find something else that makes you money because if you put that much effort into that, I know why you do it and I know why you talk about having the breaks because you're on it 24-7. If it's not 10 forwards, bro, if you're uploading always something, so I know why you need a break. But sometimes like why do you need a break? Why is it you think you need? It's just you're addicted. Well, it's, it's yeah. And I, like, I feel like I'm really getting siloed into like just talking to the same people all the time. You I'm also, not- let's be honest, though, you go to war. <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, so here's what happened. And that we'll takes an emotional <laughs> toll. These guests yeah. are here just hearing us yelling at each other. But, you know, for me, it's like I lost the comedy. I lost live comedy for a while. So I wasn't used to, like, killing hecklers. So I kind of, like, went on social media oh, to I'm start kind of just, like, stealing souls, you know? And then I got, you get, you get so addicted to that. And now I'm kind of like, I'm over it. I'm I'm over it now. I like to creep a little bit. I'm a creeper. I do some creeping, uh, and I enjoy the creeping of it. But outside of that, I'm kind of ready to like take a break from it. I love podcasting, though. I do love it. That's the only thing that I will. Continue. I do love. I think I'm going to simplify some of my shows. But outside of that, I do love podcasting. Like, there should just be a meme page, like Instagram memes. You can't really comment or nothing. You just go look at memes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man.
Anyways, gentlemen, thank you for joining the podcast and listen to us yell at <laughs> well, each other. I, I want to I comment. Uh, or there, there, there's so many things you guys said, but I want to touch one. I'll pick one. Um, you got to realize like, the, the the comment was said was said that you know you think that, that, that this is the early stage of the metaverse, so we have the metaverse there. It's like so. It's one continuum. It's one continuum. And so we now have a little bit of hindsight where we can begin to understand like the, the way it works. And so if we go back, like, you know, I did a video about this a couple of weeks ago and I did all of these videos from AT&T, which they were talking about the internet and they made it in 1993. And it's really, really funny to watch right now, but you're like, wow, those, those guys knew exactly what they were talking about. So, so we're beginning to see that there is this, this continuity Continuity in terms of of like how things are released and introduced and they've been around for a long time. So like the, the Internet, the Internet, like there was a period of time where it was a confusing concept. Like they literally had to take CDs and shove them in envelopes and mail them to people's houses. And they're like, shove that in your computer. You're going to be amazed. And that was about 10 years. And if you were in the older part of a generation, so if you were 60 years older, or over in 1990, you're like, oh, like, how do I get to the internet? Is it in the mall? Do I got like it was beyond <laughs> your comprehension? You didn't have a point of reference. And the same shit is true with the metaverse. The metaverse is here. This is the metaverse. It's changing just like the internet changed. But right now, what's happening is there is an introduction. Hey, this is what it's going to be. And let me frame it up. Like, it's always going to have been there. Like, all of the stuff that made up the internet, like, that's been around for like 10 or 15 15 years like and uh, AT&T had enough information to accurately predict all of this sort of stuff so when we see this like uh this Zuckerberg like tele presentation about what the future is to look like like there's truths in it but then there's also like you're stepping into something that's already been there we are in the metaverse yes it's going to be built but what it's really talking about by naming it is the nature in which how human humanity interacted with technology is changing. They gave it a name. They're telling you the internet was here. It took a while. There was social media that came in like the mid two thousands. And then this kind of brings us to where we are now. There's a line in the sand and now we're going to go and start to see what the the next part's going to look like. And you know, if you're paying attention, it's not going to be that big of a surprise. I totally agree. I think it's just, this is a, a, They've been slowly dragging us into this like deep, deep waters of what they want us to get into. And, you know, we were talking a lot about censorship before the show. I mean, just imagine what the censorship is going to be on the metaverse when right. they are controlling every aspect Everything. of what you're living in and how you're doing. And like, I mean, and of course, there will be people who excuse me, hustle, 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 and figure out ways to find glitches in the matrix and how to counter. I mean, that's all going to be part of it, but it's, it's, I, I just get worried. You know, my daughters are almost two. I get worried about what they're walking into and how mm. much I can protect them from it. And, you know, it's like, you know, one of my daughters is super analytical and the other one is just a wrecking ball. And I, and I mean those both in the most loving way possible. Like they're both so unique. And I, I think one's going to be a, 
like someone who's just constantly digesting information and figuring out all this stuff. And the other one's just going to be like, a, you know, probably going to save us all from the f- killer robots from the future when they come and she's got to protect John Connor, right? Like that's like, what's that's what my other daughter's going to be like, but what are they going to, how are they going to participate in the, in the metaverse? Are they going to be forced into the metaverse? Uh, is their old man dad warning them about all this stuff going to mean well, anything to I mean, them? The, other, the cool thing I heard about the metaverse is like, imagine you're going to school and they have the metaverse and they're teaching you World War II and you can live it instead of just reading a fucking book. Yeah, when you think you, about it like that, that's a good that way of learning. True. That like, is That's cool. amazing if you could fucking live that thing and be like, I like. It sounds crazy, Until but we got to think. Realize who's teaching you? Yeah, but we got to think about the cool parts about it. As a kid, you got as a teacher, you got because this it was a teacher explaining it. He's like, I can't wait to teach these kids like World War II, and they can actually live the actual part of this. That's the thing where you got to think about the positives. Like, well, you can't always be negative because that's the one thing I well, always. Hold on, I heard XG, this part and I heard on. it was cool. First of all, the notion of living at like World War II, like it was fucking Disneyland, like it's this wonderful thing. It's like I, now I you're gonna elicit like that. like elicit trauma onto people, and then you're gonna be able to push notions that paralyze society for so long. I mean, there it's on both sides. Here's what's gonna happen in the metaverse, right? The metaverse is just gonna be like the internet. It's gonna be like Wild West for a while, where they're gonna allow the the outlaws, right? to uh, build it up. And once it gets to a place where it's profitable and it's running right and all that stuff, they're going to do what they always do, which is the bean counters will come in and just completely and utterly take it over and start shutting it down. They did that with Instagram. I mean, like, dude, I hate to tell everybody, you know who's a big part of, like, pushing uh, the internet forward? Porn industry. They were a giant part of pushing the adult film industry was a giant part of pushing the internet to so it would be easier to digest data. It's just the truth. I hate to tell everybody that, but that's what it is. And like and you're gonna see that in the metaverse. And then it's gonna be like shut down and they're gonna control. And then if you start talking about now they're gonna start living this, like we know history is a lie, right? So it's like look at what history is gonna be when they're now they're making you live this lie. Like it's gonna be like insane. What kind of timeline do you think so, we're on? So you also have to realize though, where it's going to be different than what you're picturing the internet right now. And one of the ways is how you are experiencing content. Right now, it's separate. You're looking at a screen. We can get an idea. Like it's not hard to imagine where it's going to be. It's all going to be brains. It's like it's going to the next thing is the augmented reality and the VR goggles are happening right now. It is going to be so amazing. It's going to be so amazing that you're not going to want to take it off. You're not ever going to be outside of it. And so I don't think what I think is important right now in time, it's not like, is this a good or bad? It's like deciding how you as an individual are going to meet it. So I mentioned that in the beginning. It's like, you know, I'm an old dude. And so it's like, I'm looking at it. This is what I'm going to do. And this is the energy I'm going to put into it. If I was a young dude, I might have a different opinion on it. But right now, through these discussions, we're beginning to recognize where we are. I call it the invisible ships experience. Like there's this whole thing about like being able, waking up to seeing what you're, what's surrounding you. And that's what this conversation is right now, in my opinion. Wait, what do you guys think the timeline is on this? I'm really curious about that. What, What are we talking here? For full on metaverse. I mean, how long did it take the universe? I mean, the uh, social media to get where we. Yeah, but this is this is so ma- that's it's different than social media because these are a number of technologies integrated, and they they all have to be 
really advanced for it to work 10, the 15? way they want to. You think 10 or 15? Okay, interesting. The only thing positive I see from this outside what Xavier just said is like, I'm going to be an old man when this happens. Mm. And that's what that's what the senior citizens' homes are just going to be. Just old people with VR goggles just... And by the way... Right? I, just I, tapping. Because, hey, dude, that's all they do all day. It's they not just, just social media that was the dry run for this. It's also video games. Video games are much... I mean, very comparable as far as I'm concerned. Because you have people... Like in this Roblox game and 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 uh, what's uh, Minecraft? You know that they, they form these communities yeah. and these kids are just. I mean, they're they're melting into the they're melting into the uh, couch. You know what's that, Ross? No, I was just saying, yeah, the youth they really are consumed with the video games, man. Yeah, they really are. So we'll see what happens. Then I kind of go like where the they don't even want to deal with the real world. You know, the real world is a problem. When they come back to the real world, it's like, uh. So I see that as a big motivator for people wanting to jump in this metaverse. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Trade. That's right. Drinktrade.com slash hat is where you can get the best coffee out there. Dude, you guys love coffee? Stoked. Love it. I go to bed thinking about <laughs> drinking coffee in the morning. I drink coffee before I go to bed. I can't do trade coffee because it's fucking kicks ass and I'll be up for three days because it's the best coffee out there. I love coffee. You love coffee. I don't even know what I would do without my coffee. But trade coffee guarantees you'll love your first match. Trade's goal, very simple, okay, is to make every cup of coffee your best ever okay the journey to your perfect cup starts with taking their quiz okay yeah you could use a fresh press automatic drip cold brew person no problem your answers will allow Trey to pair you with the perfect coffee to fit your taste man it's just that simple trade will match you two coffees you'll love with 400 plus craft coffees. Come on, craft coffees. I'm all about that, dude. And they will send you the freshly roast bag as often as you like. It's just that simple. So here's what they're doing for. And I, dude, listen to me. Trade coffee. Bang. Bang. Look at me. I'm alive. I'm alive and ready to rock. I'm ready to fight lizard people. When I, dude, every day I go get Croft Maga. Guess what I do? Bank trade coffee. And guess what I do? Trade blows and fight lizard people. That's why I do. Hey guys, it's Johnny for Tinfoil Hat listeners. Trade right now is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com forward slash tinfoil and use the promo code tinfoil. One word. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com dot com slash tinfoil promo code tinfoil for your first bag free and five dollars off your bundle and this holiday season give the coffee lover in your life the gift of better coffee too with their own personalized gift coffee subscription from trade enjoy do you think that let's say alphas right who have a physical build like they have certain physical uh gifts like they're athletic they're super attractive, or even mentally, they're super smart. Do you think they're going to want to go into this metaverse where now they are equal to everybody else? Mm. And is that an old way of looking at it? Right. Well, I think it's like what Mike said. Uh, 
everyone's going to have to make their own decision how they're going to relate to it, you know? One of the reasons I say I'm disentangling from the Internet is because I don't want to find myself having to deal with this thing because of economics or, or whatever, you know? We got to create alternate uh, income exchange systems if we're not going to get in it, you know? No, 100%, dude. 100%. We're going to have to figure out a way to survive not in the metaverse in the future. That, that, that's, that's the, that's the rub in this, in this equation and where like people need to particular, uh, particularly those who aren't like already all in, like there's a, there, there's a whole group, there's a whole, you know, population of folks who are like, what, 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 what's the question, dude? Like, why are you even asking this? This is the future. This is going to be awesome. And then, you know, there, there's the other extreme where, you know, right away that this is not a thing which you want to participate in. I fall in that camp and, and it is like me dealing with my own internal integrity that I still work with the internet because I know how bad it is, but yet I'm still on it. I think someone used the word addiction. Like the, you're, uh, the internet truly is the thing that you became addicted the first time you were really part of it. But, but where I want to go with this, which I think is so interesting is they 10 years ago, there was a story that was put out by the business Roundtable and by the, the, the national education Alliance or association. And they were basically saying, we have to create jobs or, or we have to train our children, teach our children for jobs. We can't even imagine are going to be in the future. And there was this like little bit of time, which has been where like, well, what are they going to do? What are we going to create? You know, how many PowerPoint X, you know, all these different things as, whereas before it was like, learning how to work in teams and so forth. Well, it just so happens that like, you know, to make uh, like NFTs or, or to make parts of the, uh, of, of the building blocks of what we're going to eventually call the metaverse. Like these are the skills which you learn when you play all of these video games. Like this, like Minecraft has taught an entire generation yeah. how to build. So at the same time, we're like, oh, we don't know how we're going to train people. Well, we got an entire generation that's perfectly trained. And to Roz's point, it's like, you know, it, it is so alluring. Like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be crack cocaine. But then there's going to be a point like, you know, what will that world eventually look like? And Sam, you said it so beautifully. It's like, well, if I'm going to go and learn my history from from this all encompassed experience, like it's going to go deeper into my psyche than I could ever imagine. Like, I can't blank out like I could in grade school. Right. Like, I totally agree with that. It, it, the ramifications are crazy, and you're 100% correct. They've been using video games to train people. I mean, the military in, is like, I mean, so so when I went and did the, I did a USO very long time ago, or, or I say mid-2000s, I went and did a Damn, USO. that's the scary part. You know, I, we went right yeah, you in the went middle right, of Yeah, it, you dude. said early 2000s, right that's in the, the mil- scary part. So I was actually in Afghanistan when the war turned. And the war turned on when this prison, basically this giant prison break happened, and all of these uh, "quote unquote" Al Qaeda. You're trying to tell terrorists. dick jokes. I, I dude, it, you know it's so <laughs> funny because they didn't want you to be dirty, and then you meet with these guys, and they're just like, "Yeah, they're college kids. They wanted dick jokes." But so we were stuck. We were stuck there. There was there was a real panic in the air. And it was it was it was kind of crazy. But the reason I tell the story is because our tour guide told us something. He was the guy who was taking us around, 
And, you know, and, and listen, dude, I was a crazy guy. They're like, oh, dude, you want to be nuts? You should get into the chaser van, dude. Because what would happen, you would have a lead car. Then you'd have the cargo, whoever they're trying to get there. And then you would have a chaser car. And the chaser car's job was to deal with anybody who might become the fuck with the middle one. And all these all these uh, soldiers like, dude, man, you got to ride with us in the chaser car. And I'm like, dude, let me ride a chaser car. And the guy's like, you're not riding in the ch- This isn't a video game, you idiot. This is real life, bro. <laughs> and they would show us cars that got hit with IEDs or like all these things. So... So, but the reason I tell the story is because my my uh, tour guy was telling me that. So, like, I think in like World War One, right? They did a study and they found that U.S. troops could not pull the trigger and shoot the enemy. They just could not. They have empathy. They didn't want to kill. They're like, how can we teach these children, teach these soldiers to shoot a gun? And they they decided that's when you start seeing gun violence. In movies, you start seeing people pulling the gun, shooting everybody, and it became monkey see, monkey do. And that's exactly what they did. Fast forward, okay? So I'm driving back from Vegas. You know, I've seen so many dead bodies in movies, right? All over the place. Uh, I'm driving back from Vegas. There is an, a, a car crash like I've never seen before. And I get out to see if everybody's okay. This car had flipped, a woman had fallen out, and the car fell on her head. And a guy ran up. He was going to undo it and try to get her out. And I go, loot, dude, you might cause more problems and harm to everybody around her because the girl was like, Mom, are you okay? And I'm like, oh. But you know what I noticed? I was not affected by a dead body. I had never seen a dead body at that moment in terms of like, in terms of like a violent death. And I was not at all affected. I've been to funerals, obviously, saying goodbye to Grant. Would you want to really be affected, though? Like, Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be like, oh, my God, life is lost, instead of, like, fucking leading a crime scene. You were more surprised that there wasn't, like, dramatic music playing in the background. Right. right. I mean, like, I was so trained to see a dead body that it didn't physically affect me. Well, dude, imagine how it's going to be, fast forward a little more, 10, yeah. 10 years from now, when it's a robot avatar on the field and it's just a guy with a clicker you know in a in a in a warehouse in arizona in the desert you know just shooting people you know i mean they're, they're gonna have no problems with I that mean, well that goes slaughter. that goes back to sex all these kids are watching all this insane porn and they finally get some pussy and they're like this is it no but i mean like the expectations yeah, that you of, get ex- of you girls too early dude oh, yeah. like this is the timeline we're on dude this is this is it, man. And it's just like, I think it's like, I, but I also think people are starting to understand that the internet needs to be done in small and small parts. Not everybody. Obviously there's some people, I mean, I mean, you look at China, you look at Korea, you look at, uh, Japan, they're having a population problem. Nobody's having sex over there. Because they're all yep. just, either, you know, just stuck into the like, internet. You know what China's TikTok is? Instead of like blue people telling you about what their pronouns are, literal sign shit, engineering shit. Their TikToks are teaching these kids to be fucking smart instead of like blue haired people telling you like, hey, these are my pronouns and here's this challenge and there's this other TikTok challenge out there. I guess in China, all the TikTok is straight just intellectual shit to get the kids to fucking start thinking right. making them, they, making the country better ready to fucking take over right but 
I'm, I mean, like, I agree what you're saying. I've been to China. Have you? I mean, like, I don't want to get like into like people like, well, that's a little off, but they're autistic as fuck. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it, dude. <laughs> like, I've seen, you know, it's just like that's why they got steal all of our, like, they have legislated out creativity. They've created robots over there. There's no creativity. That's why they have to steal all of our our our, our stuff. Because they can't create over there. Because they've legislated it out through communism. Hey, you're going to do this job. I don't want to do that. You're going to do the job. I'm not good at it. Do the job. And then you're doing something that maybe you're meant to do something else. And they legislate it out. That is the one thing. Like, you know, communism and these elites. Someone brought it up before. Oh, Cliff High was talking about. They want to legislate out, uh, you know, poverty. Which sounds like a great idea, dude. Nobody's <laughs> gonna be poor. Yeah, it's great. You know what being poor does? Motivates you to get your ass up and do something to change your life, which is where a lot of creativity comes from. So much creativity comes from just trying to get out of your social economic situation. When you, when you legislate it out, there's no drive. So that's fine. We've gone on a long rant. I want to get into the 40th parallel. Well, well I, I think now we, th this is a good setup because we, 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 we've been talking a lot like about like all oh, the like internet bad and stuff like that. So, and we want to kind of change the flavor, change the, the, the way this feels. And I think that what would be an interesting way is, um, you know, I, let, let me, I want to introduce an idea to you right now. And it, it's, it's um, before I, it is the podcast that, that, that Ross and I are doing from the 40th parallel. And we started doing it probably in about spring uh, this past year, but, but I want this to be the, the setup for before we get into it. One of, one of the, the pieces of feedback, which I have received since doing this, I've received this from many, many different people is people listen to what Roz and I are talking about on this podcast. And then they have used that as inspiration to then go out into their literal backyard, like the town they live in, the city they live in, and begin to look at it, like feet on the street, both literally and metaphorically, in a new way. And so to me, like, you know, right now, there's still like a lot of things which we can, which which we're not fully in the full sub, uh, in metaverse in which all of the, uh, the, the censorship has taken place. So we still got a little bit of freedom right now. And so for now, I want to go and maybe talk a little bit about some of those things, if we can do that. 100% all about that action. All right. All right. I thought you might be Roswell. Like, like, uh, you, you haven't said much. So let me, let me hand it over to you. And like, what, what would you go and how would you kind of describe like what it is that we're doing? Well, we we the mystics of the fortieth parallel, you know, where I guess your path, your life path, led you to the realization that man, there's something about this fortieth parallel, particularly here by the Susquehanna River in Lancaster, and my couple of decades here living in Philly, it's like man. This place right here, there's something very mystical about it. You know, the history, the 400 years of history here on, on the 40th parallel in this 
place that was kind of born to be a uh, manipulation of timelines, you know? Yeah. It's like we were both doing this parallel research and bringing it together. You know, you sharing what you've been exploring as well as myself. Yeah, man, it's the revelations that has come out, I think, is very profound, you know? Yeah, so... So, so let me let me throw this in before you before you jump in, uh, uh, Sam. Is I started doing this like research, like this. Uh, I was on a certain path, and certain things caught my interest, and I was a certain place in life. And then I uncovered all of this stuff, and I'm being vague on purpose. So, and my mind is just like, oh my goodness, and I'm trying to work and like gather this information and like compile it. And then I'm also watching on YouTube, and I see this guy Ros Ben. And I'm listening to what he's saying. And I'm like, holy shite. He's talking the same thing I'm talking about. He's tapped in or I'm tapped into the same thing he is in or I'm tapped in the same thing uh, or he's tapped in the same thing I am in. We're about 50 miles apart. And I, I recognize this because I didn't know what I was necessarily looking at. And so once I had that realization and he was and Ross was a couple of years before me, like he was out like sharing his research. And I, you know, I'm just gathering at this time. I start reaching out to him. I start sending him an emails. I'm putting together all these like little slides, gathering information. I'm like, hey, like, you know, I'm a fanboy and I'm sending him emails. And this went on for a couple of years. And like occasionally, like, you know, I know what it's like to receive email. I know you know what it's like to receive email. Like you want to respond to people. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, sometimes you forget what have you. And so, but I kept on sending like Roz these, these, these messages. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I wonder what he thinks. Like, does he think this is some like, you know, nut job or what have you? Like, I don't really know because the responses were like, you know, they're kind of like, thanks, ma'am. And that could be read anyway. And so then beginning last year, we like kind of met in real, in real, uh, like an internet space, but we did our first research, shared research together. And then I went out and I visited where his research takes place on the 40th parallel. And what it is we do is we look at our history and our geology and we see it from a bigger picture and we share this research. And what I indicated earlier about in terms of the inspiration, we're seeing people listening to it. And yeah, I think they're really interested in the stuff which we're talking about in, in Philadelphia and Lancaster, which is my backyard, but even more so people are like going out and looking at their backyard and they're looking at their geology and they're looking at their history and they're looking at their Masonic temple and they're looking at their like public artworks and they're looking at their native peoples who lived in the area. And this whole other picture is coming into play. So that's kind of what we're working with right now. I love it. I think it's very important. I think it's a conversation we've had on this show a bunch of times. People mistake uh, her heritage for culture. I mean, culture for heritage, you know, and they think that is their history, and it is not. Most of your culture is manufactured in a think tank and uh, forced upon you by conformists and opportunists. And uh, the real truth is, like, there's a history out there, and you have to go find it. And they've hidden it over and over again. They've made it so many layers of this rotten onion to get to the core of what you're trying to find. 
And that truly is the power. And again, going back to stuff that, you know, that Xavier was saying, you know, it's just like, it makes me very nervous because history is going to be, you know, when you are experiencing something they're telling you as history, you're not going to be able to differentiate whether it's true or not. And where are they going to get that other, that other information? So I love this, man. There's so much. And I will say this to tie it in with what you all were discussing earlier about the metaverse. All those technologies was birthed here in Philadelphia. You know, electricity, the computer, all them things was birthed right here and grown on the Susquehanna, you know. Uh, So that's not an accident. There's a reason for that, you know. Philadelphia was actually born for that, to, to put us on this electrified, computerized, Promethean timeline, you know? So we both kind of saw how this is embedded in our landscape, like, There's really, I guess, for lack of a better word, there's levels of magic being worked here. And for that magic to work, they have to tell you what they're doing. It has to be, you know, there are no secrets about this, only mysteries. Everything that was intended, including this whole capturing our minds and souls in the metaverse, it's embedded in the landscape particularly along the 40th parallel from, I would say, Philadelphia to at least Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado being a ground zero for rolling this metaverse out. It's like the uh, geometric land uh, point of reference where, you know, like the analog to digital measure of the planet goes, is is older is the zero, zero reference point, zero, zero degree reference point. Again, right on the 40th parallel. And prophecy is tied into all of this, how 40 is a very significant number biblically. And yeah, man, it's, uh, and, and the thing is these mysteries of the 40th parallel, they're great mysteries. Meaning if you can decipher and decode these mysteries, other things that appear mysterious. Yeah, man. It's like you, it falls into place. Yeah. You have the key to know really what it is and, uh, it's a mystery no more. So. So, so I want to ask you something, Ross. Uh, I'm going to mention two other cities on the foot, like right on, like 40, zero, 40 degrees exact, two cities that are on it outside of the, the United States. I'm curious what you think about them uh, historically or significantly, what have you. One being Madrid, Spain, the other being Beijing, China. 
Damn. Well, I have to study more on Beijing. I'm not familiar. You know, I don't have Madrid's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gibraltar and that Iberian Peninsula is the root of so many of these mysteries. I found out recently, I know you do a lot of research on John D. <laughs> who was, uh, which queen was it? Was it Queen Elizabeth? Uh, he, queen Elizabeth I. Right. Queen Elizabeth, like court mystic, right? Court alchemist. That uh, he was from Iberia. You know, huh. from that Iberian peninsula. But, yeah, the whole Herculean, what, what we could say the United States is, is a Herculean or ball nation. And a lot of the, you know, mystic teachings that went into birthing this nation, the whole idea of it being a new Jerusalem, uh, the whole idea of, of going, finding the 40th parallel in the wilderness, which is what Philadelphia and Lancaster kind of represent, and founding the nation on the 40th parallel in the wilderness. All these mysteries is coming out of Iberia, you know? So that would be my thoughts on Madrid. Because Madrid is right in the Iberian Peninsula and was a, a prominent city at that particular time in our history. Exactly. Iberia is a city or a region or... It's a region. It's basically Spain and Portugal. Damn. That Iberian Peninsula. You know, who controlled that? Controlled the Straits of Gibraltar which was, you know, any commerce, any ships coming in or out of the Mediterranean world into the Atlantic. They had to pass through whoever was in control of Iberia. Sounds real interesting, dude. Sounds and, you know, this goes back to Columbus. Uh, it's not coincidence that the expulsion of the Moors out of Spain corresponded the same year Columbus got over to the Americas. You know, it's all tied in with, uh, yeah, what, what we consider the early colonies of the Americas. I totally, that's something I've been really getting into lately. It's like, how early did the Moors get here? You know, the, the, obviously we had, you know, slaves coming in slave uh, boats. And, that, and, you know, that's a dark part of our history. But, man, we also have this, like, powerful group of people, Moors, that were, like, uh, explorers and conquerors. And how early did they get here? And what were they, what, how long were they here for? And, you know, we give Christopher Columbus, which is like slowly, we're slowly but surely on, uh, you know, uh, untangling that that legacy that people like, OK, that's not really the story. That's not real. That's why you're seeing kind of a shift from Columbus Day to, you know, 
uh, Indigenous Day. You know, and I'm Italian. I would rather celebrate Joe DiMaggio than celebrate Columbus, mm-hmm. right? Uh, personally, uh, because like I don't think that's the real history, and we've been told a lot of different things. And I think that our history is a lot more interesting. And I do believe that, you know, we have these ley lines and what they represent and how come there's so many uh, interesting things that interesting points on this grid. Well, and like, you know, like uh, Hernan Cortez, when he came into uh, against the Aztecs, the Aztecs were waiting for their God. It was a coincidence he landed on that year. They, that's why they right. let him in like a prince. They were like, oh, look, what a coincidence. On our year, Quetzalcoatl is supposed to come in. Here comes these guys on boats that ride horses. They have to be gods. They oh, let him in, yeah. and this guy straight fucking jacked let him into them. it, and then jacked them, kidnapped the prince, told them you guys got to do this, and then all of a sudden they start dying from chicken fog. But it was a coincidence. If not, you really think that one ship can take this whole empire that built these pyramids? It was all... And they probably didn't even build the pyramids. Yeah. There's stories before that on... Who knows what ancient civilizations were way before? And we just, you know, I always say it's like the bears, bears in Michigan that move in the houses. They're like, this is my cave. You're like, you didn't build it. Oh, it's my cave. You know, <laughs> but the, the, you know, the bear thinks it, that's its cave, man. But obviously someone was there before and abandoned it. But the 40th parallel is very interesting. Are there any other remarkable uh, cities on that parallel or interesting stuff across the the uh, uh, plant, our, our, our Earth that would be? Well, very I know Columbus, Ohio, is on the fortieth. There are several significant cities on the fortieth parallel. The ones that I would say. Uh, the ones I pay the most attention to are Philadelphia, Columbus, Ohio, and Boulder. Uh, there are others around the world. I haven't put that much attention to them. But I like. I think that is a Wikipedia entry. Cities on the 40th parallel. You know, and it's a pretty long list. So this, I've always thought this was kind of interesting. What I noticed is like, so if you follow the 40th parallel, uh, I'm a map guy. I got maps all over the place. I like to study maps. And so if you follow the, uh, if you have a a map of the United States and you follow the 40th parallel across the continental United States, let's say it goes through, I don't know, like 15 states, maybe beginning with New Jersey and then Pennsylvania and then going um, every state it goes through the state cap capital of that state is within 10 miles like more than more than half of them are like right on that line and then the other ones are like you know ah, a little bit above the line a little bit below the line you know i found and and state capitals are interesting because in most states the state capital is not really much of of the of a, of a primary city of a state like Albany, New York does not compete, you know, against New York city, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So it's like state capitals are something else. State state capitals are a symbol of a different type of energy. Yes. I do think that's so interesting. Albany is on this. Well, no, Albany's not on. I just use that as an example. Albany's way up. uh, That's probably, if I were to guess, 42nd parallel. If we want to get into parallel statistics. Since you made that up, uh, is there different parallels that mean something else? Because which one is the Verbrita Triangle on? (laughs) Does that make, is that different? Do they all have significant 
yeah. meanings, different parallels? I, I think uh, that's in the 20s. I'm not sure exactly what, like the specific degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it would be in the 20s. You're getting in those, you know, the tropics by the time you're at the bottom of Florida. So let's, I mean, just to, to get us all on the same page, because I never thought about parallels until I bumped up against this in, in the research, and then I became kind of familiar. So a parallel is an east-west line, and the equator, if you can imagine the equator in your mind, whether you want to imagine the Earth is like a flat tray, or if you want to imagine the Earth as a globe or something else, whatever the equator is in your world, like that is zero degree, that's a parallel, and it's zero degrees. And then the numbers go up, to to the North Pole and the numbers go down to the South Pole and the lines are are parallel to the equator. Um, the forty. The and they, the I'm sorry. Point, I was just going to mention that northernmost point is ninety degrees. Yes, ninety degrees uh, north and ninety degrees south. So I mean, we're getting in geometry right now. Um, what I will say. So there are two things which I've noticed, which which has jumped out as it relates to like parallels as numbers, because a, a parallel is just an idea. It's a number, but it is uh, it is it really also indicates uh, an angle. Particularly if you think of the Earth as a globe. I don't know what it is. I've never been far enough off the Earth to get a good view to see what it is. So right now. Now, my opinion is open, but that's just Mike. I totally but if agree. If you with use you. the globe, it's a 40 degree angle from the equator, which is very close to the phi ratio. So I've always thought that was kind of interesting, which is 38 degrees more or less. And then the second thing to answer your question, the most significant other angle, which I know is the 33 degree. And if my history is correct, like there was big significance about the JFK assassination in Dallas and Dallas's role being the 33 degree in delay plaza being like a certain type of pyramid. And so like we've seen that level of magic kind of playing out and that's known as the killing of the King ritual, that type of Masonic yeah. symbology. And on that level, like parallels did come into play. Right. And I will say uh, globally Giza, the Giza pyramid complex Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The 30th parallel. And the 30th parallel, both in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, they're considered the tropics of Capricorn and Cancer because they kind of define how far north or south beyond the equator will the sun travel during the course of seasons, you know? So, uh, June 21st, the summer solstice, the sun will appear to be directly above the 30th parallel. And that is the parallel that the Giza, the Giza, uh, pyramid complex is on. So that's another frame of reference, but for whatever reason, the 40th parallel seems to have significant importance in prophecy. There's so many prophecies that seem to point to land or significance of the 40th parallel. And that's kind of, it might be connected with Madrid. And that, again, a lot of the 
Because what I'll say is the idea that Columbus was the first to sail over here is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Moors, the Carthage, quote, well, I won't call them Moors, more so than Carthaginians and Phoenicians. They've been in the Americas since, uh, you know, Solomonic times at least. Yes, for sure. That would be about roughly uh, 1,000 BC, you know, so well, that's 3,000 years, right? So I think that's one of the biggest uh, false histories we have to reprogram our, our way of thinking, you know? It, it is and, interesting that they do that, that they just change. I mean, like, how long have they realized that they were going to like, how long has their game plan been to divide and conquer and to use these racial lines of strife to get us to fight with each other? That they've completely rearranged the history of, of black in America. That they've changed the, the, the story. Now, obviously, we had some come over. I'm not saying that are a large number, but they were already here. They were already here. Well, it's a part of the timeline manipulation, yeah. you know? If you want to put someone on a certain trajectory for a future, you got to change the apparent trajectory of the past, you know? And so that's, uh, I would say that's the ultimate root of it, you know? In this time, in 2021, 19, early 1900s, it might have been to, you know, maintain neocolonialism, 1800s might have been to maintain colonialism, justify it, you know? You got to dehumanize someone and erase their history to, you know, justify abusing them or, or exploiting them. I totally right? agree. Yeah, so, but, yeah, the Americas... And the quote-unquote old world, there's been exchange of information and culture going both ways. I would say really antediluvian times. And the mysteries of all of that are still embedded in the 40th parallel. I have a list of world-class cities that are on the 40th parallel. We're talking northern latitude, right? Right now, it's Kansas City, Missouri. Now, this is an interesting one. It says New York, New York. Yeah, New York's on the 40th parallel. It says Philadelphia's on the lower cusp of it. And you have to know, one degree is about, what, 100 and, I think it's 170 miles. It's about 70 170 miles. miles or 168 miles make one degree of latitude. So... Philadelphia is on the lower cusp of the 40th parallel. New York City is on the upper cusp of the 40th parallel. That's 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 very interesting because so much has come out of New York City and what New York City represents culturally, historically. I'm sure Freemasons and all that stuff that goes on there, the architecture, the energy, the the occult rituals that happen through New York City. I mean, that's I mean, Philadelphia is giant. New York City's right there with like it's how it, uh, 
vibrates through all of all, all of culture and humanity. That's right. That's right. Philadelphia, Reno is on there. <laughs> Beijing is very big. The China, China's capital. That's that's huge. Madrid, Naples, which is uh, one of the most important cities in Italy, Greece. I mean, like major empires are all uh, are all on this fortieth fortieth um, parallel. The America. Italy, which is Rome, Greece is the Greeks. I mean, they're they're all on this parallel. I mean, it's very interesting. What city in Greece is on the fortieth? According to this document, uh, uh, good luck on me saying it correctly, but uh, the Thessaloniki, okay, Thessalonica. Or that one. Could that be sounds right. I'm that guessing. Sounds, right. It sounds like what you're saying. Yeah. Th- that Sinaka? would be like the, like the church at Thessalonia, you know, from the Bible. Thessalonians. Sure. Mm. Sure. I don't know that, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, like, that is, it's the second largest city in Greece. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's kind of crazy. And so, would like to build on what Mike was saying earlier, too. Beyond just exploring the art, archetype symbolism, architecture we're finding along the 40th parallel. We're doing it in a way to inspire others to decode the cities that they live in as well. Because these cities seem to be acts of magic. Whereas, all right, because... We know everything is mind. Everything is mental as far as uh, creation, right? Y'all, y'all it begins. Yeah, it begins yeah, yeah. over yeah. In, Right? Like the seven, I think they call them the seven hermetic laws. Yeah. Seven uh, laws of creation, like the laws of the matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. You know these laws, you can work the matrix. So one of the most important laws is that everything is mental. How that plays out in practical terms, if I want to manipulate you in alignment with omniversal law, I got to tell you what I'm doing. Yes. Okay. That's huge. Yeah. I got you like your free will. You got to do this thing in free will. Okay. But if I told you in English, my diabolical intentions, like I just sat here and told you all the diabolical plans that I have for you, right? You will probably resist. You will not go along with it. So I'm going to tell you everything that I'm doing and what we would call the language of the muses, which is art, archetype symbolism and architecture. And so I'm going to lay out the city in a way that I'm going to tell you all the ways I intend to exploit you, manipulate you, whatever, what I, what I intend to do to the indigenous of the land, my future visions. I'm going to tell you everything in the way I lay out my city 
and my art. Then it's up to you. Now the ball's in your court. You have to choose using your free will to pay attention to what I'm saying. And then you got to choose, and it's, it's, it's tricky, because you even got to then choose to learn the language of the muses. To be able to decode what you've seen. How many statues have you stood in front of? And you just walk away thinking like, yo, what the, what the fuck was I just looking at? You know what I mean? Because you haven't chosen, use your free will to learn the language of the muses, to learn archetype symbolism, so that when you see these statues, you can decode it and break it down and like, holy shit, you know, th- this is what this is saying. And then more often, the spatial relationship of statues and buildings means a lot too. Meaning you might look at a statue and there's one level of meaning to it. But then when you look at that statue in relationship to other buildings or other statues or other things in the landscape, the story is much more deeper, you know? So we've set the example for how you can decode your city and parse out the mysteries embedded in it. I love that. And, and, and I want to throw this into what, what you were just saying, Ross, is is this stuff exists in that subliminal or subconscious. All of the statues and all of this information is laid out before all of us in a way which we don't talk about, but it's there. So that's what I mean by subconscious. And if you've ever studied um, the hows and whys of subliminal advertising or neuro-linguistic programming or stage hypnotism or anything like that, magnetism or, or mesmerism, uh, you learn that once the, the subliminal is no longer subliminal, once it becomes conscious, once you see it, once you see that the illustration can be looked at two ways, like, well, then the magic disappears. That's so right. it's not even so much like there, like, as Ross was describing about learning the language and all of this sort of stuff, like the question might be like, well, why, why would I want to do this? What you're doing is you're training consciousness in a way. Yes. And what you're doing is you're taking away subliminal impacts which which are around us all the time if you if you know if you're born in this culture you're born into uh you're born into all of these subliminal messages constantly bombing our minds and we talk about it a lot within hollywood and hollywood cinematography but Roz points out like it is just as true and much much older in the layouts of our cities I completely agree with all this based on all these conversations I've had over all these years, man. I mean, you take a look at New York City, you take a look at Washington, the architecture, how the city has basically been designed is all complete our symbolism, right? You know, so when they when they designed Washington DC, they didn't think you'd be able to see either that's an owl 
or it's like the the uh the the eye of Horus, man. Like you know, because they didn't have anything that sent you up there to as a helicopter, right? It's and we could get into arguments about space and flat Earth and round Earth, whatever. But whenever they were pushing their narrative, they never had a high a high powerful digital scope that could go out 500 600 a uh, uh, a thousand miles that's all i'm saying dude like and, and you're totally right so i think right now we're entering this really huge thing where we're awa- we're awakening we're never gonna get everybody and most of these people on the internet are bots anyway so you're not gonna get them to agree with anything right but i mean like you take a look at this like how many false flag things have happened that instantly now fall apart because everybody sees the calling cards of what they're doing. The first example where I thought this that they lost it was Vegas. Vegas are like, oh, this guy, blah, blah, and everyone's going, hold on. And now everybody's talking like, hey, dude, I noticed this. I noticed this. And people started putting pieces together. Everyone's like, this story makes no sense. And they instantly quietly has there been a bit has there been a shooting of that level since then? Nope. Like, I don't think so. Like, when you put it the way you just put it, like, you know, that this was like, this is when they learned we can't do that anymore because they've caught on to it. Because you're right. I don't think, I, I can't think of anything that major that has happened, which is, which is majorly like part of a, of a plan, not a copycat sort of thing. Well, uh, there was, the only thing after that became the Parkland shooting. And, that, there was a lot that went out with that as well. Are anymore. Yeah, I mean, but, but they're slowly going down. The, uh, you had this, what was that? Because I was in Boulder. Oh, you had the Boulder one. You're right. Parallel. The when that Aurora. In Boulder the Aurora. But that was Super. A- no, no, those are two separate separate things. The Aurora one is still happening. Roz is talking about this here. This is how it's gotten. Like, you know, uh, Sam, you're talking about like the the emotional fatigue of murder when you saw the dead body in the car accident. So it was when were you out in Boulder? It was in April or May of this year. And there was a shooting, a mass shooting in a supermarket. Uh, and for two days, for two days, we got to relive that experience because for 650 days we have been reliving like if you're watching the news when i say we i mean the collective has been living the the terror of the covid but then they gave us a little bit they gave it to us in april that shooting but then it disappeared and we can't even remember it we can't remember that it happened but i know it did because you were there you know who you know who never forgets the fucking kids they have shooter drills every once a month instead of fire drills and not shooter drills because they're trying to re-traumatize them constantly uh, my son you're right about that Billy, my son, well, my two sons, the school they attend, uh, went on lockdown last week because someone had threatened to shoot up the school on social media. And, yeah, it was it was a crazy scene. It didn't make headlines or I think only one local news station in, in Philly covered it. But, yeah, man, that thing shook up that school community that person should be expelled you know they they will do that but but the whole point is this man we've had these things happen over like the rittenhouse thing they tried to get the key that thing up and all the players came out they and it just got no traction because people see the same game plan over and over again. The 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 kidnapping of the governor of Michigan and then it comes out (laughs) Like 14, 15 were involved, 13 were feds. 
Mm. Like it's like, and the, the the thing is like, and it's so funny because you know they had this situation going on. You remember they did it with the, the Iran, and oh my God, they shot down our drone, and they were trying to make it like they attacked uh uh you know uh, Americans and stuff like that, and it didn't get anything. So what they do, they brought back Henry Kissinger. To come back and all these old neocon warhawks to come back to because tr- they had success at the back, but they never had to deal with the internet, which was a permanent record in which we now see your game plans. Now, if you believe in lizard people, reptilians, black nobility, you know these people aren't creative. They use the same game plan over and over again, and we know their playbook. We know their playbook, and. People aren't falling. January 6th is a great example. Everyone that on, on a, you know, the news, the politicians are like, it's the second 9-11. And everyone's like, and it's really not. We see the video. Jimmy Dore, who couldn't get more progressive, is like, dude, the, the security guard is letting them in. He's letting them in. I, I I can watch it right now. He's pulled the gate. They're taking selfies with people. It's not what they're telling you. And they're losing the information war, in my humble opinion. They had drones out. Uh, at the riots, you don't think they had drones out at the Capitol Hill? Of course they did. Of course they know exactly what happened. They know who let who in. They're they're just they don't give. They a won't fuck. Re- They yeah. won't release any of it. Do you remember? And I don't know if this was this year or last year because I'm having a lot of trouble with 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 time right about now. But there was an explosion at like a port city, maybe in Lebanon, yes. uh, somewhere yes. like in the Med- It was like the biggest explosion you've ever, I've ever seen. And it was, and for like two days, you're like, what the hell is this? And then they said it was a fire. It was like a, in a warehouse. There's a fireworks. bunch of fireworks. fireworks. Yep. And then they like, you know, under the heat, they went off. Like whatever happened to that? Like that's what, because that apparently was a real thing. Like I want to know that story. I want to know where that videos of what they thought were missiles and what were in there but i i i think it's also the 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 news cycle's moving but i also think people are like man you're in you're just bombarding me with all this information about what's going on in the world i can't i'm powerless against it i'm just gonna turn it off kind of like <laughs> what you guys are talking about doing with the internet and i'm just gonna start living living my life and just live my life and make the changes here on a local level. I'm going to act globally. I'm going to think globally by acting locally, which is what's going on. So I, I want to get into real quick. How, what are things that people can do? Is there, is there, do you guys have a system set up so they can start studying their, their, uh, their cities and going out and looking for symbolism. I mean, I do it all the time. I, you know, we just had a guy on who does uh Chimantria and like, he just like everything's numbers to him. And I go, you got to watch yourself. Cause you could fall deep into the abyss on that where everything's a number. But you know, I look for symbolism all the time in what I do. And I have to catch myself not to fall too much into, Oh, this means that that means that. But you know, it's like, are there little things that, that you guys tell people to do so they can start trying to find symbolism in their uh, thing. And I would love to know your guys' thoughts on Tataria as well. All right. uh, You go first, Roz. All right. Um, One thing, the best thing to do is start paying attention. Okay. Most of us, you know, do we really pay attention to the art and the architecture 
that makes up our living environment. Okay, that's the first thing. Pay attention. And I would say uh, photograph your artwork in your in your area, and that way you can load it to your computer, zoom in on it, really be able to study it more in depth than you might be able to. Just particularly if it's like in a pediment or something, you know, like near the top of a building where you can't see the detail. Uh, so I, I will throw in a, a, a I, I won't say a shameless plug, but Great Mystery Philadelphia and Free Your Mound and Your Mind Will Follow. Those are two books where, yeah, we drop the keys in there. Uh, Tataria, real quick, I think it's historical rewrite, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm not, not to say that there wasn't a nation or a kingdom called Tataria in what, like, uh, probably around anywhere yeah, like from Eastern Europe. Russia, what yeah, was now Russia. known as Russia. There was a kingdom there back in the day. I would say that kingdom maybe had some association with uh, the underworld. Tataria mm. was a reference, is a classical mythology reference to underworld civilization. Oh, snap. But as far as Tataria being some global empire and mud flood that doesn't really add up to me. You know, personally, I think that's some historical re rewriting. And I would say if there is classical looking architecture in the Americas that predates colonialism, the roots of that would be those Carthaginians, those Phoenicians, uh, who were Rome's enemy. And it's documented that, you know, like Diodorus talks about this in depth, that the Carthaginians' main strategy was to keep Rome locked in the Mediterranean world. They didn't want Rome getting out into the Atlantic because they really uh, coveted and I'm talking about the Phoenicians and the Carthaginians, they coveted this paradisical land that was full of food and full of resources. Uh, out, out in the Atlantic. And so, yeah, it's no mystery who, who or what land they're referencing. And, yeah, I would think that they're the ones responsible for any architecture you would find, at least in the Eastern Americas, pre-colonial architecture. All right. So can, can I take a swing at the Tatarian one? So, dude, uh, swing at whatever you want to swing all right, at. All right, all right, all right. Because I... I uh, uh, I love me some Tataria, <laughs> but maybe not necessarily for for um, obvious reasons. Um, one of the one of the 
the ways which I look at reality and particularly how reality and consciousness is shaped comes from stories like our, the stories we're told, the mythologies we're told, regardless of culture, like they play a really, really, really big part in terms of how we envision the future, if you will. And like just what Ross was saying is like, you know, you control someone's picture of the story of who they were. Well, then you're going to control their the, the trajectory, which they're on. Stories are really, 100%. really big deals. And undoubtedly us in, since 1945, you know, all of us modern cultural folks, um, uh, storytelling has been weaponized against us. Storytelling is a very, very human ex, uh, way of being, but the stories have been weaponized, uh, just like all things like, you know, have been weaponized against us. So when I hear Tataria, when I hear the Tataria story, um, I get very excited because it introduces a wild card to me. Like the, the, the stories which were particularly given, which were, which were given as it relates to our history. Like, you know, we've got a couple different options, but this one is kind of so different and it rewrites, it, it asks a lot of questions. I'm particularly intrigued by the lack of toilets or bathrooms found in the supposed Tatarian mud flood buildings, <laughs> just because what it does <laughs> is it begins to, to force someone to open up their mind and how they're looking at things. Uh, I sit me personally, I sit in a, a posture of like the whole thing's a friggin' mystery. When I say the whole thing, I mean like being human, like the fact that I'm in a body, but I don't know where I am. I don't know how we got here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't think I necessarily have that answer, but, but I, I, I surrender or I, I look for that answer, but I surrender to the not knowing that that's part of my human experience. And so that's why like the, the mystery and the, of Tataria as a new way of looking at things is really, really, really significant to me. And I, I think it's it from that level, I find it very, very exciting. Um, and then what was, well, oh, oh, and let me go and, and comment also about you asked the question about like techniques. Uh, I personally like whenever I see a historical marker, like I know that a historical marker has its limitations with storytelling, but it gives me a place to start. Uh, just as Ross was saying, start paying attention, stop listening, stop, you know, like literally like, you know, that's what the phone does. It takes us out of there. Begin looking at things, ask questions and assume that you've been lied to all you. It's a hard thing. Assume you've always been lied to. And even the things that, that, that you think are true, at least be open to the fact that maybe they're not, or they're partial truths. Yes. And, do it in a playful way and then that opens so many different things like that's that's my personal approach i and i agree with that i think you should question everything all the time i think if you sit there i, I mean unless it's tangible like i'm almost like i don't believe any history unless i i experienced it myself right and even that becomes questionable what really happened and how was like in front of me. And even that, right. I mean, like if we watch an accident, right. Everyone on the show, we're, we're on different points of that, of the intersection. There's an accident. You ask us all what happened. You, there will be five different fucking accounts of what happened. And you'd be lucky if you hear, if two of them match. And even if you get an actual footage, 
That's just what that footage got. Yeah, that's a great dude. I'm telling you, it's almost down to there are a million realities, and each one of us live a different reality. When you know, I was in San Diego, and this I was walking, and I San Diego doesn't like to tell you what streets there are. They just don't like street signs. <laughs> they just don't. You're like, what street is this? And this woman on a mask was walking towards me outside by herself. And I go, hey, can you can, can you tell me what street this is? And you would think I had molten lava coming out of my eyes and the death fangs. She's like, I don't know. And she like was so afraid of me because I had no mask on. She's not living in the same reality that I am. You know, we're all talking metaverses. I think we're all in our own metaverse. What is our reality? How many times someone goes, hey, man, I hate when you do this to me. You're like, I don't do that to you. Two, that's when two realities just bam, I mean, Johnny bam. mentioned it the other day, the thing with the Beatles. Oh, what? I don't know. Uh, how uh, they all thought they all hated each other oh, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's the same thing. It's all a perspective on how you think people are looking at each other. There's no reality. And it's just like, so going back to what you're saying is you question everything. And there is symbolism in there, dude. There's so much symbol. You mean, you want to see symbolism? Go to San Francisco. Look at the symbolism there. I mean, there's so much. I mean, the first time we did a Tim Fall High out there, we just did a walk around. We're like, holy, look at that. That's Freemason. That's Freemason. What is that? That's a Rothschild's emblem. That's all that stuff. And then, you know, it just doesn't have to be. So, you know, you whatever Tatari was, and I don't know what it is, I love the conversation. I, I mean, love it. Sorry, but I just want to say, with, the, with what you're talking about, you have to be careful because that feels like a slippery slope, right, to moral relativism where there's no right or wrong. You know, it's just... You decide what's right for you, and I decide what's wrong for me. Well, I mean, I like so if we get into like what is sin, right? You know, you exactly. have these organized well, yeah, yeah, religions. But, and, yeah, then you, I just think that's a dangerous path to to because it means that maybe there's no objective truth in the end, and that and that's kind of scary for me because it opens the door for people to justify wrongdoing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I I, I don't. Okay, okay. Do you you want to say something, Michael? Well, I was going to say, I agree with you. It is a slippery slope. And when you begin to become with, uh, have a greater degree of awareness and resolution into like your inner world, your consciousness, um, it becomes much more about nuance because it's not as simple as like on and off. And uh, you're having, and that requires a lot of, uh, it requires maybe I don't know if I want to say the word discipline, but uh, but I just want to acknowledge like you're right. It's a slippery slope. But if you um, if you know what you're you and that requires to have a greater awareness of what you're doing and why you're doing that. And so, like, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I'm being very thoughtful for the words I want to use. But like once you come to a realization of what's going on, well, then like a lot of things which which you did not think were 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 in question. Now you have to approach with a greater degree of sensitivity. And that and that's a truth that comes with or a responsibility that comes with with like having greater awareness. I completely agree. And I think, Johnny, when it comes to like, to me, like there's all these different things, like what is sin? What, you know, it's like all these organized religions have told you, oh, you do this, you do this. God gets mad, and which, you know, that could be whatever. But I think there's, it seems to be like there's really one scene is like sin is that it's like, did you bring pain and suffering to other people? Yeah, but even that can be justified by these lizard people because they can say that we're doing this for the greater good. You know, it's limited. yeah, but that it's gets rejected. 
Do you like we're yeah, but seeing it's enough it right for now? Them, but if it's enough for them to justify it with you know within their own sort of moral framework, if we believe that all moral frameworks are relative. But then, but then we're going into us under seeing it and questioning what they're doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, maybe this becomes a vicious circle, and we get order, uh, argue that all the time. But I think I, like interpretation of stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I would like to hear what Ross has to say as it relates to uh, like universal law and how that what we're talking about is approached from that level of right. of controlling reality because th I think this br brings in a lot of insight, Johnny. Please. Well, I think the laws of cause and effect would would say that if someone was operating, like you say, out of a relative moralism. That wasn't aligned with what omniversal morality, right? They will have the lesson at some point, this incarnation or a next, that would teach them, like, yeah, not that moral rel that relative moral idea you had. Yeah, that shit was wrong because now you're on the other side of it you know, experiencing it. So uh, I think that is part of why we're here, to learn how to align mm. our personal, what we personally or maybe as a small collective, like a congregation or church, whatever, feels is right or morally uh, what, quote, unquote, God would want versus uh yeah what it what it really is or what you know was called ma'at in ancient egypt or ancient kemet but you know being in harmonious oneness with creation you know a state of ma'at a state of balance your reciprocity is is balanced out. Uh, that's what we're here to learn. You know, who really knows? It's it's time. That's that's one thing. Time will tell. You know. So one of the things which I have found so so in uh, um, enlightening, I suppose, in listening to the research which Ross has done is how he ties in different histories or stories from these ways which I never understood and saw how they, they were connected, particularly uh, ancient Kemet to like what's going on right now in North America and all that. So that it's really, really fascinating. And I'm coming from that from that perspective. Um, but a lot of what 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 I have I have picked up from you and learned from you is like this understanding of how the um, the application of being in alignment with universal laws, which is basically I'm not going to make someone do something against their will. Yeah. And that and that was the whole thing with like looking at the statues and understanding it. And this subliminal revelation of the method is like uh, going back to the 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 moral the moral relativity in which we are talking about earlier, Johnny, and where I was talking about a little bit about like it do, it depends upon the degree of consciousness one is at because it's become subtle. 
at the at the level in which pe- the 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 folks, whoever they be, lizard people or not, which shape our reality, they practice a level of they're going to do what they want to do by being in harmony with the greater law, which is like I can't make someone do something against their will, otherwise I incur karma. The same thing will happen to me, and that's how they do these sort of things. So then this goes back to uh, this goes back to then our own internal moral relativity. It's like you know we could try to go and 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 look for loopholes for for selfish acts things where my ben i benefit at someone else's expense um or like you know you hold yourself to a different sort of um a different a different level of 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 standard and so that to me is 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 when you when you listen to Ross's work as it talks about the the history going back from from Kemet and particularly timeline manipulation as a technique to not have to incur one's karma like that can be applied to the individual and I think that can be applied to the individual at this particular time in what's going on in the world and it's my personal opinion it has to do like we're at one of those places with what are we doing with the with how you're meeting technology if you know all this stuff you know what are you going to do like this is your responsibility and we're individually and that's why i'm being so thoughtful with my my words because i don't want to act like i'm going to tell anyone what to do i don't want to do that because i don't want a single mf for telling me what to do but that being said i'm kind of clear what i'm going to do for myself and that's that nuance that's that nuance i totally agree and and i will say there's like uh all right the list quote unquote the lizard people these ones in control, drinking blood, eating babies, all this, this stuff, right? Things that I think we would say are morally abominations, you know, like morally reprehensible. No, like from our point of view, right? But they're like, they know the laws of the matrix. They can bend and uh, work these laws in a way that it's not as far as I guess you would say God or the omniverse. They're not uh, morally in the wrong. It's, you know, it's uh, I, I say it's very important for everyone to get the book called The Kabbalion by the three initiates. Study that thing. That's one of the most important books we have access to right now because it breaks down the seven basic omniversal laws. Okay? And as long as you honor those seven laws, you would get what I, I think we would call as a concept providence. And this is something, this is like all the mysteries of the 40th parallel. Big part of it is this nation receiving providence. They can knock the Indians off the land. They can invade other nations, manipulate their government, do all take resources from wherever, but as long as certain agreements on how this nation was founded and all those things were done right here on the 40th parallel, 
in alignment with prophecy, as long as that's honored, this nation will be, it'll, it'll have what they would call providence. When you study Colorado, where I could say boulders, big, important spot, right? Colorado's state motto is nothing without providence. And the continuity of governance, the space program, all these things that are centered out of Colorado, it's all really founded on this nation's providence. And this is a way that, you know, you can, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You really can't put a value judgment on it. All you can really do is observe it. And through your use of consciousness and free will, disentangle from whatever agreements you may have made or maybe your your four parents have made for you so you're born into this situation, disentangle those agreements as much as possible. So I completely agree to everything you're talking about. I think it's very important that uh, people learn the history. That's how they learn how powerful they truly are. Okay. These people work within a certain rule of the universe that we're slowly, surely over time, the masses are waking up to. Okay. The reason they do false flags is because they have to get us, us as human to beings agree. to agree to doing it. It's the old lost boys. You got to let, you got to let the, the vampire in. That's the only, he can't come right. in without, unless you let him in. So that's, that's right. why that's the whole, you just nailed it. You have to invite it in. And that's, that's the degree. That's what they understand. And they, they've been doing this forever. And now people are starting to wake up that I don't have to allow this to happen. I don't have to agree to this and I'm going to push it away. And it gets harder and harder and harder and harder to do. And so much of what we understand about our government, our military, our politicians is, uh, is a, the shadow in the cave, man. They're like, they scare, oh my God, the military's a thousand years ahead of us and they got stuff that they press a button, we're all going to be gay or whatever it is, you know, that this thing that they're going to do to us, yet they never do it, yet they seem hell bent on like just destroying us. So why don't they just do that? Why don't they just shut down the internet? If they're losing the information war, why don't they just shut it down? Because I don't think they can. I think mm. there's entities of light out there that understand these principles as well, and they are working against that. That's just me. I will if this show, if I ever become a full-on black-pilled guy, this show will be done. I will never do a show where I'm just like, it's the end. Enjoy this hour of us telling us how fucked you really are. I'm not gonna do it, dude. I believe in hope. I believe in mysticism. The world's ran by sorcerers, and you could be a mystic, man, and you control your energy. I'm talking to family members in my life right now that seem lost. Not that they're bad people. They just were never given any of this information. So I'm trying to sit down and talk to them about how powerful they really are and how they can control their destiny. And things are happening to them. They're happening for them so that they can mm. learn from that and ascend to a higher level. But no one's ever told them that. Everything is just basic, you know, eat, work, die. That's no man. It's way more interesting than that. And I totally agree with everything we've talked about on this show today. 
Everything we've talked about is just completely makes sense. You can decode everything and you can look for the sign. So when it happens in real time, you know what's coming. Like those people are the people that didn't believe in aliens and now do because the government's telling them they're coming for you. And now they're like, oh, you hear about aliens? I'm like, dad, I'm everywhere, right? And I had a buddy of mine, my best friend in the world from high school, man. He's like, I'd smoke weed if it was legal. I'm like, why are you allowing other people to tell you what you can or cannot do? Because hmm. there's been so much stuff that's illegal that's good for you and so much bad stuff that was legal. Don't buy crypto. Government tells you don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, we're living in crazy times. Mm-hmm. Guys, this was an excellent, excellent episode, man. I love talking to both of you. Uh, I hope you guys stay on the internet enough that we can enjoy your conversation still. Uh, and you don't just go like live... In a cave somewhere, that'd be sad, and we would lose the power of your voice. But I completely understand. And uh, yeah, man, I'm a big fan of both of you guys. One more time, where can they find this new podcast you're working on? YouTube, I guess. Like we're not both me and Ross are the most untechnical folks around, and I think I do. I don't know if Ross does, but I wear that as a ba- as a badge of honor. Both on either one of our YouTube channels, I think you can you can find the videos. Though the most recent one I haven't uploaded just because I'm slow. Uh, I also have an audio only podcast with an uh, RSS feed, like more traditional that way. And that's the Susquehanna Alchemy podcast. And I think I'm going to start putting mine and Ross's stuff on there as well. So um, that's, that's going to, uh, that's where you could find me. And I want to give Ross a moment to respond, but I'm going to ask a, a, a request, Sam. I've got like a two minute story I want to tell. And I'm hoping like Dude, I can I'm going to give that you in. five minutes to tell the story. That's how much mm-hmm. I love hearing your stories. You can go. All right. All right. So I want to, I want to end out this, this has been a lot of fun. And I was, I was kind of curious to be quite honest of how this was going to unfold because there's so many different energies in, in this group of, uh, of, of people who are talking. So this has been a great deal of fun for me, but what I want to do, what I would like to do for those who are like listening at home is this is the, the picture. This is kind of like the question, the, the painting, which I'd like to have in their um, paint upon in their minds. So part of, of, you know, my experience is being Mike and doing all this sort of stuff uh, and asking these sort of questions is I always come back to basic what is the nature of reality sort of questions. You can't not go to that level. And that began with me really when I started what what I refer to now as uh, uncovering the Susquehanna mystery, like seeing all this sort of stuff. But what was so strange about it was as I began to unfold or discover, reveal, I don't know, whatever word you want to use, all of this new information or put it together in a new way as it relates to the Susquehanna River, the strangest thing about that was the very fact that um, I've always, uh, was that it was pointing to where all of this research was pointing to was literally where I was living at the time. And I just moved there and I've been studying magic and conspiracy theory and all sorts of weird stuff for at least 15 years. Like I had a lot of it under my belt and I was asking myself, I'm like, did I create this? Did I really create this? Like how, you know, how coincidental is the dude who like knows this stuff like better than like, 
anyone like the, the the mixture which i am interested in have gone and created that exact same thing so this is why this is why this idea of like what is the nature of reality am i making this happen is something being revealed to me and i don't have an answer to that but i hold those questions so that was just the preface of the story here's the story so a big part of me or, or the way i i like to meet this this susquehanna mystery has to do with geology like the physical land and i don't necessarily look at it like a geologist because i'm not quite that like i don't have that type of mentality but i learn from them and part of that has to do with the mineral kingdom uh the 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 stones and the crystals and what i am particularly interested in and so this goes back to like that question like well what do you look for look for something that's unique to your own area look for something that happens in your area and nowhere else and then start there and so that's true with the Susquehanna. There are two very, very unique uh, mineral deposits which are found upon the Susquehanna River, uh, found nowhere else or in higher concentrations here than anywhere else on Earth. And so one of them is anthracite. And all I'm going to say is it's 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 a type of coal. It's the purest coal and the highest percentage, like 99 percent of all of it on Earth is found like in on the Susquehanna. And then the other is a Herkimer diamond. It's a very, very rare type of quartz crystal quartz crystals happen everywhere but only in herkimer are we finding them with both water clarity and two natural points so i've been talking about them i've been talking about them for years and i've been like like you know playing with stories like what are, what are these what are these stones and i tied into mormonism and joseph smith because that happened right in between where these two deposits are so i've been finding i've been talking about all this sort of stuff for years so about a month ago, about a month ago, you know, I'm a, I, I like crystals. I like to carry crystals with me. And there's one crystal I like to carry around with me a lot. And it's a Herkimer diamond. And so what I was talking about, and this was a Herkimer diamond that was given to me. It was like, you know, anytime that you can be given a stone, like that's a little bit different than if you buy it. Like, obviously I buy a lot of stones, but given stones are particularly interesting. So I was given this stone by a guy in Herkimer. It's a beautiful stone, carried around with me for many, many years. And, and, and it disappears. And I don't, I don't really misplace things. And it really kind of rubbed me the wrong sort of way. And it disappeared for like a month. And I talked about it on a lot of the shows. Like, I don't know where it disappeared. I'm trying to go down all of these different paths, like a mental path, the most crazy path or the most basic path. And eventually the, the, and it was in a really, really, really dramatic sort of way. The crystal reappeared. I'm not going to tell you how it's dramatic because what, what I'm getting to is about two days after that, I'm talking to a friend of mine, completely out, uh, unrelated to anything. And they just casually mentioned to me, they're like, Hey, have you heard that they found these new types of Herkimer diamonds? Yeah. They're found right on the Susquehanna river. So I've been talking about these two types of stones, the, the, the anthracite and Herkimer diamonds for years. And then my Herkimer disappeared. And then right after that, right after that, this new type of stone never seen before. And arguably, I might be one of the uh, like a very, very small percentage of people on Earth who would really get 
what this means. And what this new Herkimer diamond is, is found, they don't even tell you where it was found, is almost like a blending, whereas the actual Herkimer diamond is water clear. This has what you might call a smokier clear. It's dark. It's like a blending of the anthracite and the Herkimer. And it shows up. It shows up immediately after I've misplaced mine and it comes back in dramatic fashion. And I have to ask myself a second time. And the reason why I'm telling this story and the the picture I wanted to paint in everyone's reality or in everyone's mind is that at the end of the day, we really don't know what's happening yeah, here. Dude. And I don't know uh, what exactly is yeah. making this happen. I don't know if I'm just putting together pieces that don't belong to be put together or if I am remembering a dream that has already happened or I am changing a timeline by talking about it. But what I will say, my friends, is if you begin to expand your relationship through awareness and loan creativity and joy with the world we're living in, it will guaranteedly meet you with beautiful, beautiful stories. So that is the final story. That's the final picture, which I wanted to paint in the listeners' minds. Thank you very much for having me here, Sam and, and, and company. So, so I'm going to pass it on to you, Ross, right now. That was, that, that was my conclusion. That was great. Right. That was right. a great story. It's kind of interesting. Synchro mysticism. And I think we've all been experiencing Happened to me last night. Happened to me last night. You know, where we're thinking something, thinking about somebody, and they reach out, or you know, we we just so many synchromistic experiences. It's that time we're in, and uh, I just want to affirm that. And. Yeah, my works can be found online, rossben.com. Our episodes from the 40th Parallel, we're at episode 12 right now. We've actually more than 12 episodes because some we ran, like some of the themes, some of the topics, we might have done two episodes on it. So we might call it 10 or 10.5. <laughs> you know, part two. So, but they're on my Rospin 188 YouTube. And yeah, check them out. They're organic and fun. Like you say, we're low tech. They are low tech, but they are fun. I feel like low tech is like a sure sign of like how gritty the information is, right? Like, I mean, dude, I get yelled at all the time. Because I have my kitchen in my background of half the videos I do. We're working on it. But <laughs> I just feel like the content's so good. Who cares? I mean, like, I really love what I'm hey, doing. Sometimes high tech is too much to though. Like, when it's too high tech, you're like, well, who's got money behind this? It's kind of like that person who's overdone at the bar. And, like, everything looks like it should be mm. super hot. But when you actually break it down, you're like, wow, that's... N- not really that attractive. Well, you know? How many podcasts start like that now? Yeah. They start with all the tech and the studio, yeah. and it looks slick, and it just sucks, and never gets off the ground, and they waste a lot of money. Like Remember Alex, how Rogan started, dude? Yeah. Like, if Alex Jones wasn't right. Alex Jones, that studio would... I'd be like, yo, he's he's bought out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's got that studio where it's like NBC style. Well, you know, here's the last thing on synchronicity, and then we'll end the show. Last night, I was doing a live stream on Rockfin, and so I'm bro, hey, man, when are you going to be on Rogan again? And my answer is always... 
whenever Rogan asks. And if it never happens, I'm perfectly fine with it because my life is so great. Rogan's done so much for me. If he did anything more for me, it would be too much. So I'm so blessed. And uh, if it happens, happens. And in my head, I wonder, like, because, Ro- you know, you, Rogan and I used to talk all the time. And I go, man, I wonder, you know, and then, it, you know, there'd be a time where he texts me a bunch and then he, then he doesn't. And, you know, I, I have to look at Rogan as a human being and not this, like, giant presence in the world. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I wonder if Rogan's ever going to text me again. And hand to God, I pick up my phone to see the time, and there is a text from Joe Rogan, and he showed me a story in which Tony Hinchcliffe's talking about the first time he saw me do stripper in a wheelchair. <laughs> he goes, hey, man, we're just sending you some love, bro. And I'm like, that's some weird that's shit, crazy, bro. Because I ain't heard from that dude in a minute. I mean, he once in a while text me, but it was like just... Bam, there it Would is. Would you consider dude. like a glitch in the matrix in a weird way? No, I just feel like, I just really do feel like it's like manifesting. I believe in manifestation, bro. And it's just like this. Well, book- it's, it's not quite that though, right? Because man, that it would imply that you can manif- you can make somebody else kind of do something, you know? It's not, it's more like you're kind of, your energy like triggers them to, yeah. Well, no, or his energy triggered me or something I tri- like that. Yeah. It's some Wi Fi. You connect to his Wi Fi. Maybe, dude. We're all just our own yeah. Wi Fi. Uh, Kabbalion would say the law of resonance. resonance. Your thoughts of each other put you on the same frequency. I'm buying that book, yo. I'm buying that book. I just bought it. And a couple yeah. other books, because I said, why not? Yeah, we need a library. Let's how many let's, books let's get that library now? going up in How many bit. books can I buy? How many books is, do you have? I have all of them. A lot. Because you've bought, I know, at least a dozen on the show. At yeah, least. dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, I love you guys very much. Great podcast, as always. You guys, I was so excited when I saw you guys were on today uh, because it's just like we're ending the year with nothing but bangers. And uh, you guys are a big part of that. Thank you guys so much. And I'll make sure to include your links in the description below. So uh, if you want to find either of these guys, the links are down there. They've been on the show before, so hopefully you will... uh, You already know where to find them. I love you guys very much. Guys, thank you so much. I hope to see you in San Luis Obispo, Buffalo, Long Beach, and Bakersfield next year. Come get Mm. weird, and we will talk to you guys soon. Take care, everybody. Love you. We we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.